Hello, hello, guys. What a difference a week makes. If you didn't notice, I put my, um, I put the podcast on pause for a second. I was really emotional the past week with the death of George Floyd. And I just want to really emphasize that a lot of people already seeing on my Facebook and my Instagram and just people, you know, everybody giving their two cents, what we're dealing with in the world right now with systemic racism and with implicit bias. It blew up because of what happened this past nine days, I think at this point. Um, But let's not forget, this is the tip of a very, very, very large iceberg. This was not the first time this happened. At this point, we don't know if it's the last time. I mean, already similar situations have happened to people in the past week who have died at the hands of the police. Um, So until it is the last time, you know, people have to speak. People have to speak up. Um, And I feel like in this world, in the United States right now, this moment is immensely important for everyone, everyone to get involved. If you believe in racism, which you should because it exists. And if you don't know it exists, if you're still not sure, then maybe you should talk to somebody who actually has had to deal with it. So this week for me, needless to say, as a black woman, as a mother of a child who I will have to talk to about racism, as a wife to a black man who had to deal with the curfew this week because he works at night and was afraid to come home because rightfully we don't know if some of these police officers will take the word of where he works and believes that he is out there just coming home from work late at night. Mind you, that is a fear that he has all the time, all the time. So for me, this week was a lot. It really brought up for me issues of dealing with stories that my parents told me growing up. If you want to take a quick look on my personal Instagram and you can hear some of those stories, things that happened to me as a child um, where I was racially profiled. So emotionally, it was a really, really, really heavy last couple of days. And I have to say, though, I appreciate the people and the friends in my life that have reached out in the spirit of love, in the spirit of offering, in the spirit of being open to challenge their worldview that they might have suddenly realized was a lot more limited than they thought it was. So all of that I appreciate. And I would just say, I hope that with this moment that everyone really wakes up and realizes that we are at a crucial turning point in this world. And this year, I mean, on top of a pandemic, on top of the largest civil rights movement that we are currently experiencing in the world ever and in my lifetime, that something has to change. Something has to change. And you can be a part of it. And if you're not a part of it, step out of the way because there are a lot of us who are, and we're ready. We're ready for a change. So that's all I'm going to say about that for now. (sighs) 
I just want to get into this episode and talk about my friend Kira, Kira Groves. This is a really, really cool episode because I've never really known about this. What is dermatillomania? I mean, I actually have heard of trichotillomania, of people pulling their hair out. And apparently dermatillomania is very similar, but I've never come across anyone who's had the experience of both, um, and in particular, dermatillomania. So this conversation with my friend Kira, who I love dearly, she is a huge light. I really appreciate her talking about this because she really wants to bring more awareness, not only to the issue, um, but also I think or I hope uh, her talking to me was a little bit cathartic and that it really, for her, I know, brought up issues of like wanting to be more aware of how she can move forward in her life with this. So yeah, please take a listen. Enjoy. (laughs) Uh. All right, well, I'm just gonna... Do you need a moment or should I just dive right in? I mean, I don't know what I'm taking a moment for. (laughs) Are you crying already? No, 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 no. Okay. You said already. I'm not going to cry. Sorry, I didn't mean already. I'm not going to cry. Oh, well, I am super excited to have one of my good friends here. Her name is Kira. Kira Groves. She is. Say hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) We're a little giddy. Um, She is an actress, a writer, an illustrator. She is multi-talented, multifaceted. And I brought her here today because... Thank you. You're welcome. Um, And I brought her here today because I didn't know until a couple months ago that she has been dealing with a disorder that I had (laughs) never heard of. Oh gosh, it, you were new to it, huh? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm new to it. The condition is called dermatillomania. It is, I'm just going to read the generic definition, okay. if that's okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, it is classified as a mental illness related to obsessive compulsive <laughs> disorder. It is characterized by repeated picking at one's own skin, which results in skin lesions and causes significant disruption in one's life. Yes, it sure does. So you can attest all of that. I sure can. <laughs> I can. Okay. Um, so okay, we gotta we gotta give people. I, I like to to go back to sort of the beginning. Okay. So if you can give us a little background as to when it started. Okay. Well, you know it's funny because in my brain it started uh, once I was already in California. I had moved here as a young adult and I was asked to take pictures you know all the gay men love their women and um what, what is that because well, a photographer he was like a girl can I shoot you you know that kind oh. of thing. yeah <laughs> okay I was like I what, was, what? yeah well I also okay. had a roommate uh who was gay and well, he still is and we used to go to all the gay clubs, so I was always approached by the gay boys like okay gotcha we so- must do a photo shoot girl right and Hair and makeup, everything. They were like yes. the, the full. They they did the full deal. Yes. Okay. Speaking of hair, <laughs> let's get a little personal here. I've always been the hairy child. Okay. Like, and my father used to say to me, you know, eat, like eat your onions or you eat that, you grow hair on your chest, as though it was a good thing. Well, I really did, 
and it grew other places too. Um, so from eating onions or just in general? No, you just, just okay. I'm just a hairy girl. It was like Sasquatch. And I think that's probably my first memory, not of picking, because dermatillomania is skin picking, but trichotillomania is hair pulling. I actually have a combination of the two. Oh, okay. Right. So I will, in trichotillomania, like they will pick people will pluck or pick out their eyebrows or patches of hair that they can cover. I was more where the hair, how do I say it? Okay. I'm going to give you a quick story and then we'll go to when I remember being aware that okay. I was disturbed by things. Okay. And then I'm thinking that that has progressed into having to groom. Because gotcha. it's like a grooming thing. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but uh, as a kid... Being at the pool was probably, I don't know, when do you grow hair? Nine or ten? I don't know. But even in elementary school, raising my hand and this kid, Ricardo. Yeah, I feel like it's like puberty. Like maybe, (laughs) I mean, for some people, it's probably earlier. But like around 12, 11, maybe you start growing? Well, sixth grade, whatever age that is. Maybe I was a little ahead. Yeah, that's around 12. That's Okay. Yeah. Because Ricky, I was raising my hand and Ricky was like, oh my God, you're monkey girl. And I had looked and I had hair under my arms. And I was like, oh, and I put my hand down really quick. And then when I went to summer camp, we were all in our bikinis or one pieces, whatever you wear. And I was maybe around 14 or 13. These kids walking by stopped and they were like, oh, you got all this hair on where my bikini line was. And then I looked and they told me it was in the back of my head. I mean, my head, my um, leg. And I had hair, like, all down the back of my leg. And so I became very aware that, like... Like, how long was the hair on the back of your leg? You uh, you're talking about 13, 14 year memory. It was significant enough that they said something. That That's they noticed that there was hair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like a man, you know, a man chest. Right. But it was long enough and significant enough that... And I became very, very, very self-conscious about my hair in fact my very first or one i had sex when i was 12 no i'm just kidding (laughs) but my one of my first boyfriends and this is by college right this isn't the first it's like the second but he would wonder why i wouldn't have sex with him and it was because i was embarrassed because when i would shave i would get the ingrowns and Mm -hmm. i would think it was horrible flash forward to after i moved here and i had this photo shoot Okay. Now I'm going to, before you go into the photo shoot, mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to this asshole Ricky. <laughs> he, was, he was only in sixth grade. Okay. I'll, I'll, give, him, I'll give him a little leg because he's a child. You're right. But this little uh, shithead Ricky. Um, he's, he's gone now. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Rest in peace, Ricky. Rest in peace. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I know you didn't mean it, but you were a little shithead. Um, so when Ricky pointed that out, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, kids do that. Um, do you remember going home and asking like your mom or anything about shaving or what to do? Nope. Did your mom shave? Cause I'm just, I, I don't remember. Okay. Cause I'm wondering if, you know, there are some people that you know, now it's kind of there. There are certain women that like that, that like having hairy armpits, and are kind of anti the 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 quote unquote traditional, the traditional grooming. Yeah. So I didn't know if that was something that perhaps your mom or someone else had had said. Hey, you don't need to worry about that, and and perhaps it was 
the energy of the world saying, no, you have to, or if it was just something that wasn't broached at that point yet. It wasn't broached. Okay. Like I, you know, except for with Ricky. And I do remember a time um, with the females in the bathroom, my underarm hair coming up. I don't think that I was at an age where my mom was thinking, oh, it's my daughter needs to shave or, you know, if she noticed it, we just never talked about it. And I wasn't, I don't remember feeling ashamed or embarrassed until I became, uh, you know, puberty, like when you're into boys, when that stuff matters. Like I, I was embarrassed in a weird way with the kids, but it was just like, well, what do you do? I don't think I knew about shaving. Right. So I just had to deal. And I was like, oh. You kind of was like, oh, there's no solution. Oh, well, life right. goes on. Okay. Um, I don't, it's not like people like were like, hey, you hairy, you know, <laughs> except for the monkey comment. It wasn't like an ongoing thing. I wasn't bullied about it. We usually wear shorts and uh, that are long enough, you know, bathing suits are different. But I didn't, I don't think it was a thing until I was coming into womanhood where that stuff, where you're getting eyed in a different way. You're getting eyed for how you do look, you know? And I don't think we pay attention to those things when right. we're really young. Yeah. Um, until you see the type of attention that right. you start to get. And then you become a little bit more aware of... And you learn this yeah. is attractive and this isn't attractive yeah. and this is attractive and this isn't. And although... I may have been seen as quote unquote attractive growing up for, for reasons not, not, I shouldn't say they're not legit, but being a light skinned sister with, you know, good, the good hair yeah. almost went against me of like, uh, oh, you think you're cute, bitch. Because you have light eyes and light, you know, and good hair. And so maybe the hair all over the rest of my body was a saving grace. Because <laughs> I, I, what I learned really quickly from the other part was to dress really frumpy, which I am right now, but that's just coincidence. So well, I didn't expose. You have a very expose... bohemian sense of style anyway. And I think like that flowy. was. That was yeah. probably part of it if like I was kind of always hiding. So the hair wasn't I never wore anything where I had to shave anyway cuz I was kind of always wearing bags. Okay. <laughs> you know, like potato sacks. So that was them. just kind of your way of at that point becoming more aware addressing it by just covering it. Right. I think. Okay. And then when yeah. I w with the this one guy I dated in college and he was very he didn't understand. He thought I wasn't attracted to him. But he didn't realize that, like, okay, so this is naked time. Naked time, I have to shave. Like, this is when I have to look a certain way. But I had had too many hair follicles that looked bumpy that I thought he would think were unattractive. So, but I couldn't tell him <laughs> in my brain. So, yeah. Well, I mean, we're young adults. We're not used to having those type of conversations. It's no. It's going to be, hey, let me... Let me tell you about my bumps that I have in my right. line and <laughs> the back of my legs just, you know, since we might have sex. That's that's an awkward conversation for a young adult. And I think here you just I just had another memory of like the mustache at the top. I had dyed it yellow. 
You dye? How did you dye? Well, I bleached it, okay. you know, so that it wasn't a dark. And you I don't even there. Can you even see? I don't even think I have a mustache. I no, guess as you a don't kid, have a mustache. exactly. So I guess it was a little bit more prominent. And he, the same guy, was like, <laughs> told me it looked like I had mustard on my lip. Because the it, Ricky guy? No, no, oh. no. <laughs> the boyfriend. The boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was like, this Ricky dude follows you all over the place <laughs> and points out shit about your body. <laughs> No, but I can see talking to you, there's a recurring theme with hair. Right. For sure. Also, there's, now that I think of it, a recurring theme of guys pointing it out. Like, the think of sure. the first for person sure. who drew, who, again, sorry to go back to Ricky, Ricky. God yeah, bless no, his no, soul. No. But, like, do you know what I mean? That, and then, I don't know if the group, when you were swimming that time, if it was a mixed group. But, I don't remember. But, but again, also yeah. now being an adult, and now, you know, or semi-adult, and having a guy that you're interested in that you like bring yeah and yeah so there was definitely that th- hair thing um i was always aware of it now when the picking or the dermatillomania trichotillomania started because what i'll do is um is after i was asked to do a certain shoot and i was asked to be in a bikini but i he had wanted to do it over like a three-day period different locations and i panicked because uh, I might get emotional. That's so funny. So long ago. Um, I panicked because I was like, well, the hair is going to grow back so fast. And I don't want to get any hair. You know, I don't want the follicles, the back of the leg. I didn't want any of that. And so what I did was I, I, I shaved the one time um, a little early, too early in my brain. And then when it started to grow back, I got a pair of tweezers. Oh my goodness. And I started to pull out every single hair. Now, is this hair, this is your leg hair? Yeah, or, this and was your pubic hair. Pubic, this was the bikini line. This was the back of the leg. I don't think at that point I had gotten to the underarm, but I definitely was micro focused on getting these hairs. That is when I remembered it started. Now, I, I did see a college friend like a few months ago. She came to visit me when I went to go visit my mother. And I, and I asked her, I was like, was I picking? Did I, when do you, was I, do you remember me picking? She's like, oh, yeah, you picked in college all the time. So I guess I always had the propensity. Right, like I was always really, on my face. You weren't really aware that it was. But I wasn't, it wasn't associated with the hair. The hair is, I think, what really exploded my dermatillomania. Oh, okay. So that kind of ushered in kind of this idea of uh, the hair made it complete that it was that it was a condition yeah the hair is what made me because you know plucking your hair one at a time takes a long time yeah that's quite obsessive right and so then it grows in different phases so I would try and catch it and then you know he had at one point they had done my eyebrows and I never plucked my eyebrows then I saw that growing in and I became like you uh, it's hard to explain but it's easy to explain um it's tough it it kind of traveled into a a monster a huge huge monster that one day was out of control it went from my bikinis to my breasts to my whole leg I have pictures that I took that like it was bad like I would be I would scar myself to the point and I 
I worked a job, a night job, and I would get off at, uh, let's say, 12, 2, and I would get home, and I would just get a light, and I would prop my leg up or whatever, and I'm sure my underarm had ended then, and anywhere there was hair, I would pull the hair or I would push until it would come out, and my nails until I was bleeding, and I could be there until the birds were chirping. Like, there were a few times where I was like, oh, shit, there's, the birds are awake, and I've been picking this whole time. And the sun is up. Oh, yeah. I would zone out for hours. So it was sort of calming for you. Was it like... Oh, it was completely like... uh, Yeah. I mean, technically, those are both a coping... Those are both coping mechanisms. Yeah, no, it's definitely a place uh, that's soothing. What what I... You know, and I've been to behavior therapy... Um, I even went to, uh, I was so desperate to get help because I had gone into a dressing room with a friend of mine and I had annihilated my breasts. Like I had, I call them freckles, but I've scarred myself for life. And at the time it was raw and it was, wasn't bleeding, but you could see, and she was the first person that I showed. I like lifted my shirt and I was like, look what I've done. And she started laughing. And I don't think it was because... She thought it was funny. I don't think she knew how else to react. Like, (laughs) I mean, it was just like this boisterous, huge. I don't even remember how I felt when she did it. I just know that. And maybe I laughed a little, too, because it was so crazy insane. I had like my breasts were pretty small anyway. (laughs) And like they were just. I mean, I can show you if you don't... I mean, like, you can't see it now, but, like, it would be, like, the whole thing was, like, just... Yeah, I can't can't see it at all. She's showing me her boobs in here. (laughs) We're in our closet. This is the sort of stuff that happens in my closet. You see see little marks. Um, Yeah, I mean, they're they're small now, so, I mean, mean, it seems like it's built really well. (laughs) I could not tell. Well, I haven't bothered the boobs in a while, and and, uh, I think... This was maybe a little over a decade ago while I'm searching. It wasn't really... A lot of people didn't know. They knew about trigotillomania, but not about dermatillomania. Okay. Now you can look it up and find it everywhere. But I was having... I didn't really know what was wrong with me. And she was the one beyond her laughter that was like, you should maybe go get go help. Get help. So let me go back really quick to... Okay, the photo shoot. Did you do the photo shoot? hmm Okay. And so you said you shaved a couple of days in advance to kind of catch the hair? I, I don't, I think I did it prematurely and, and then I got I got nervous because my hair would grow back so fast that that's when I saw it and I was like, I'm gonna get bumps if I shave it and that's what made me pick up the tweezers and start pulling all the hairs out. But you managed to do the whole three days of the photo. Yes, without a bathing suit shot, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love that. Of course, go through all that trouble. I know, then... we never even did the bathing suit. So it starts, it rather evolves with the picking, but it starts with the hair, then it evolves to the picking. And then at what point, at, okay, because I'm trying to develop a little of a timeline here. So the first time you realized that it was like, whoa, a big thing was with this photo shoot. How long? Oh, no, I didn't realize it was a big thing. At that time, I'm just plucking my hair. Okay, you're just aware that this... Right. But you're not aware it's a thing, you're just aware. No, Okay, I'm just plucking my hair a lot. Right, well, this was just like, it was a specific thing. I have to pluck it for the shoot. 
Okay. I got to make sure I'm hairless and smooth. For the shoot. And so this will let me be smooth for a while because I'm pulling it from the root, right? So you didn't realize that it was an issue until your you showed your friend or was oh, it a little well, before then? I, I mean, with the picking. I realized it was an issue when I started doing it all the time. And then it, I would uh, annihilate myself to the point. First of all, I'm I'm not just picking one or two. I'm I'm staying in this place for five, six hours. I mean, there were probably times where it would be a whole day, you know. And then I would go to another place because now I'm just like my underarms, right? And then I would start to pluck there. And then, you know, it was behind the leg. And then it was the bottom. And I had really hairy knees. <laughs> so, like, I just, anywhere there was hair, I was safe to get rid of it or pluck it. But it was when it would start to grow in. There's a, when you have dermatillomania or chilotillomania, it's different for everybody. But there's, um, it's almost like your eyes become microscopic. And your fingers are antennas. So you can be feeling, you can actually feel things. You can feel certain areas that are good for bumps or for ingrowns, even subconsciously. And my friends would notice that my hands were always on my face or always. I was, I, it just kind of developed. And like when I say a monster, it was a constant. I think I tried to time myself once I had gone to behavior therapy and I was driving my car and and this was probably five years down the line or six years. So I probably didn't realize I had a problem. That incident when I showed her my breasts, I'd probably been doing it for three or four years at that point. And then when I timed myself years later, behavior therapy, um, my hands, I wouldn't even make it 30 seconds without my hand automatically going back up to feel, like I call them my feelers. And people are like, put on gloves, or, you know, like they have all of these different things that you can do. But as I was going to say before, people that have trichotillomania or dermatillomania, uh, there are certain things that get you off. So if I'm plucking, right, if I pluck the hair and you get the root and you have the bulb. Oh, and the bulb, yeah. Right. And then you get the bulb and it's like, and then taking it off. And so there's this high everywhere or getting it before it even comes out. Like I became obsessed with different things and if there wasn't enough of one thing I would find something else that would soothe me so that would lead into because my question was going to be in the very beginning like for example with the photo shoot you know waxing was pretty big then <laughs> <laughs> why don't you just go get waxed well, but that but see that now that that makes sense because it was also an early search for this sort of win of like the success of being able to do it on your own it wasn't just about getting the hair gone it must have been also the fact you having to do it yourself well and it, well no I, it's funny because now <laughs> i don't think i've even ever thought of this as a kid, going back to you asking if that was something that my mother brought up. I'm sure my mother shaved. I'm sure she did all of those things. I don't even, I, maybe she even taught me how. But, um, but electrolysis, I think, uh, wound up, uh, this woman that I was going to, who I didn't even realize was doing a horrible job, but she had passed away and one of the people that was in her office that had, was renting space that she used to talk about all the time. When, when she had passed, the family had, you know, given this woman information who went to being one of the most lovely women on this planet and I became really good friends with her and still am to this day and 
she would see me we'd have two hours like we i'd bring my computer and we put on a movie and she would just elect electro i don't know what you call it electrolysize <laughs> <Electrolicize> me <laughs> for like two hours and she was like, girl, she would, she, my knees were so hairy. She was like, I can't, your knees are killing me, Kira, killing me. But she did it. And it was the lack of hair or the lack of anything for me to pull out to pick in the first place that helped me to stop picking. But then I found my face, you know, it's like it always wants to transfer right. somewhere. And I just picked last night, which is funny because I don't feel like I have the problem anymore because I don't zone out for eight hours, but I can definitely still zone out for an hour. I have the tools now because I went to the behavior therapist so or behavior workshops or behavior. How, how long ago did you go to the behavioral therapist? Oh, that had to be like maybe four years ago. Oh, no, shit. My concept of time is weird. So when I said 10 years, I'm like, ooh, ooh, a long time. <laughs> Decades. Probably 10 years ago. Okay. Or maybe a little less. And how long did you undergo therapy? Not that long. I kind of got the tools and jetted because those things can be really, really expensive. Um, and then I found a 12-step <laughs> for OCD or... Yeah, I found a 12-step. It was like 12-step anonymous for people that have OCD. That was f hysterical. Okay, well, let's hear about that. <laughs> well, because it wasn't... I didn't just... know that they had that. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, they may not. Any, I don't know. I'm sure you could look it up. I mean, I had all, and I'll get back to that in a second, but I had also gone to a convention. They have trichotillomania conventions, and maybe they've gotten a trichotillomania, but I remember going to the trichotillomania one because that was as close to me as I could find. You know, that's fascinating. Yeah. A con or oh, a convention. Oh, yeah, totally. Like it was in the hotel and you sit at the round tables. And I remember I was furious because there were women um, and men. But because it's something that's so hard to stop in behavior therapy, it's there's like I think it's 10 steps. And once you get to this fifth step, you're kind of going to give in to the behavior. And so you you want to stop yourself. It starts with a thought or the touch, you know what I mean? So you want to catch yourself really early on because I would get anxious. Like I, I knew not to get tweezers, right? I had to get rid of all the tweezers in my house. And I remember driving by the store and I was like, oh, like a, like a drug fiend. I could feel my body. Like I was like, I have to, I have to get these tweezers. I have to go get the tweezers just this once. And I knew better and I got home and I could not take it and I, got back in my car and I went and got these tweezers, right? So I get it. But at this convention, the women were very strong headed about this. I want to do this and I have a right to do this and kind of fighting for the right to normalize their behavior so that, you know, because it felt, I don't know, but it was just like, I don't want to do this. I don't, you're going to tell me you want bald spots on your head that you have to cover. Oh, okay. So this was, a, was essentially like a convention to, to kind of foster growth of your condition. No, it wasn't, things? but that's okay. what I was, it was just kind of so that you have a community of support, but I was finding that there were a lot of people standing up kind of and, and I get the frustration 
of not feeling like you can stop. And so like, let me just live with this. People leave me alone. If I have to wear a wig, I wear a wig. If I, you know, and I was like, I don't want the skin. I don't want to damage my skin anymore. Like I was, and kudos to you, but I did not go there to like fight for the right to pick and destroy my body. Yeah, you nothing want, about you that that was appealing to me. Yeah, like I, I wanted help. You know, it's funny. You read mental illness, and I'm like, oh god. <laughs> Sorry about that. I mean that that's the that's the definition. But I mean, uh, I, no. I mean it's it's okay because it, it's totally a mental thing. It's just hearing you say it. I just didn't know if I should laugh or cry. I'm not sure. <laughs> you can do both. Um, thanks. But then flash. So I, you know, I didn't really. I've met some women. I mean, there are groups and there are people that write, but people aren't consistent. You know, I don't think in life, you know, people kind of are into exercising for a month or they're into like, I'm going to tackle this for a month and right. then it kind of goes away. And so my fingers are always my fingers and I'm not chopping them off, you know. So it's like any other addiction, like cigarettes, they're everywhere. It's hard to stop smoking. But it, when it's something that you yourself are feeding yourself, it's like... To unlearn that, yeah. Well, yeah, because your fingers are with you. You're not like you said. You're not chopping them off. They're gonna always be with you, right? And I can give myself my own high. I don't need a cigarette, and I used to smoke. Thank God I don't anymore. I don't need a cigarette to get high. All I need to do is get my little lamp. If you've been to you've been to my home, I've been to your and house, and you've seen my covered mirror. I have seen your covered mm-hmm. mirror. Most of my friends, uh, if there's a big light. Uh, I gotta cover my mirror. I'm afraid to take that mirror down. Cause I mean, like I, st- I think this is better. But have you ever seen me? Like- well, no. When I, I remember when we first met, and like, I remember the first couple times we hung out. I was like, she always has a band aid on her face, and I do right now. But she has right now. <laughs> but I was like, she. Why does she? What? Like, what's going on? Like, we need. Like, what's she always break? Because it doesn't look like. Like, you're a person that breaks out all the time. Like, I, you know, I (laughs) live with acne at this point, like, half of my life. And even I have not worn as many band-aids on my face (laughs) as I've seen you wear up to this point. So I was kind of like, something is weird. And But, of course, the tip-off was definitely when I went to your house for the first time. And I was like, oh, I need to go check the, oh, the mirror is covered. <laughs> with gift wrap. Yes, with gift wrap. With a note to yourself. Uh, probably. You know, I had a really cool one. I was dating a guy. Um, uh, he was he was great to a certain degree. But somehow he had carved a heart. Because I had, like, construction paper, purple construction paper underneath it. But I wanted to look prettier, so I'd put gift wrap over. And somehow, I don't know how to this day, he had carved a heart in it. So the purple would show through. Yeah, and even after we split, I always kept it because I was, you know, I was like, okay, so he's telling me to love myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my, uh, another friend of mine come over and put a note on it, though. One of those notes isn't to me. She's like, call anytime. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. <laughs> I would be concerned if that was the note that I saw. <laughs> hey, Kira, it's Kira. Call anytime. Yeah, and be no. like, um, I need to get out of this house right now. <laughs> so, so, what are you kidding? <laughs> just call nine one one. Don't get, don't leave. Just get me help. Um, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know, I can't even say I didn't pick last night. 
It's kind of crazy, but it's just not to the degree because I don't, I've, I don't even have anything to pick anymore. My friend Tanya, the one who did electrolysis, like, I don't have any hair. Yeah, to, you, are you know what I mean? Smooth. Like, I'm as smooth as a thing, so there's nothing for me to bother. And then I got laser because I was dating a guy who, all oh, these men I've dated. <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> but his You've lived life. brother's ex-girlfriend and I became really good friends. And she did laser. And she hooked me up or, you know, got me a really good deal with getting laser. And so, but there are still areas that I find for sure. So, like, last night when you picked... You didn't obviously use the mirror in your bathroom. Do you go and pull out a little mini mirror or what do you do? No, I have a light. Okay. That I I did some trimming. And when I say trimming, I don't mean my vagina hair or anything like that. Or I'm trimming like marijuana. And when I went to go trim, uh, they had these lamps. You know, like if it was dark around me, but it really helped with lighting. And I was like, ooh, I need to get me one of these. Which for a picker, isn't really a good idea. Uh, no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I went and got one anyway. So <laughs> this is a new dimension to my life. So you pull out this mirror that can be used in the dark. Oh, no, I still don't have a mirror, girl. Everything... I mean, sorry, this this lamp. Oh, yeah. You pull out this lamp, and you focus it on the area. I light up. I light myself up. And I have... I used to... I mean, like, it's a whole... Well, what if it's your face? That's what I'm saying. Like, oh, I now I put it on a shoebox because I can't. I don't cover my bedroom mirror because it's pretty dark in there. But now with this light, I can shine it on my face and I can go to town. I'm a little more conscious about my face. Like I won't stay on there as long. But you better believe it. If there's something that is like my feelers, I'm glad. I'm really glad we're doing this. Really because I want to. Um, I want to pull focus on myself again, and I haven't in a really long time. Like, I, I want to re-implement what I've learned over the years. Right. And I have been successful to a certain degree. Um, and I think even those women standing up, it's very disappointing when you haven't pulled your hair for, you know, a year, and then all of a sudden you've got three bald spots. I mean, it's frustrating because it is always with you. It's kind of like... Well, it's work. You have to constantly work at it. Oh, totally. So the um, work that you you said when you first went to therapy, there were tools. And you, because it's expensive, you took those tools and just you know, stopped the therapy. So what, starting off with, can you talk about some of those tools that you got from yeah, I think, all of them? Or the most important ones that you feel like that you could maybe even re-implement? Uh, sure. Catching myself when I'm touching myself. And if I have to do it. 10 times in a minute, then I have to do it 10 times in a minute, but like catching myself and pulling my hand away from my face and my body. And I also will tell friends, like my mother will say, um, code blue, code blue, <laughs> code blue, code blue, Kira. <laughs> and I'm like, Ugh. when she sees you do it, she says, when she code. sees me touch my face, code blue, code blue. Or if I'm in the bathroom too long, she'll go, honey. And I have some friends that'll do that too. What are you doing? And I'm like, mm, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's kind of just catching myself from touching myself and then catching the desire and journaling instead of, you know, whatever I'm thinking or whatever I'm feeling. They, you know, it's the same thing almost with alcohol, never too tired, never too hungry. You, you just don't want your 
body to be in a vulnerable place and so if i'm that tired and i'm more vulnerable and it's like go to fucking sleep don't be on my you know don't zone out on the computer and then i'm just even more tired when i'm ready to go to bed and then i'm like oh what's that and then i yeah so it's it's kind of catching it then um because if i've decided if i kind of let myself go there and i start walking towards the lamp then it's a matter of like, okay, you got to turn around because now you're going to go to step four. And if I get to step four and I grab the lamp, then I know I'm probably going to go to step five and plug it in. You know, it's cause, right. so it's like stopping yourself because I'm pretty much doomed once that light comes on and I rip down my pants or, you know, tie my shirt up and I start searching. And even this last time, it's at the top of my bikini line. I haven't bothered in such a long time, and for some reason I gave in to myself, because it's normal, but it's been a while. But once I give in to that behavior, well, then more hair is going to grow back. And so now I'm kind of waiting for it to grow back. And I've been doing that, and then I'll see it once to come out, and I push, 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 and I got to get it out, and it's bleeding, and I take the tweezers. I mean, I stab myself, <laughs> you know, like... This, this also, it, it, I mean... Um, Especially when you were talking earlier about the tweezers and like going, you know, hair by hair, the pain doesn't stop you. Nope. I don't even think I really feel it until after. And I'm like, ow, that hurts. <laughs> like I've got a thousand boo-boos. But now that we're having this discussion, one of the things that I'm very aware of is that I do not have to. Like I'm not going to, like that time I was driving by the grocery, I mean, not the not the grocery store, but the um, pharmacy or whatever, Rite Aid, I don't have to turn around and nothing's going to happen. Like, I can get through my anxiety in other ways, even if it's just writing or dancing to a song. You know what I mean? It's just kind of transferring whatever nervous energy or anxiety I'm feeling into something else. So it's kind of like getting into a boxing ring. I had an ex who was a, another ex, <laughs> out of all the ones I've mentioned, who was a who was a drug addict and he knew about the rooms and stuff and he was like you know it's like you're getting into the ring and you're boxing you're just never gonna win you're not gonna win Kira I don't care how hard you punch so you can't get into the ring I was like fuck you <laughs> but gosh it was, that's really disheartening I mean I but I, it's I, true I, yeah I get like there's no there's no winning so it doesn't even to give in is just then I lose because I'm not ever going to win that fight. So the thing is just not to fight, if that makes sense. It just can't get in the ring and start. I can't do that one, you know. I mean, I can get away with it for a little amount of time, but because I get away with it, it gives me permission the next time to, to get away more. with it. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like any other addiction, you know. There's not just one drink at one party once a year if you're an alcoholic. Or a heroin addict. Oh, yeah, you know what? I left that needle there. I just get this fix. That that makes perfect sense. I mean, once uh, once the ball is rolling and once you're, like, once that lamp, like you said, once the lamp comes out, then you've but, lost. Right. And so my goal today would be, okay, I've had this conversation, not by default, but, you know, because I was asked to talk about it. It's like, okay, so then start being aware again of your actions. Because it's easy to like just oh, la la la. You just go about your day and you do whatever. And I'm gonna pick and I'm not, you know. Um, but making an assertive effort to to care for myself 
And I'll just leave it at that. I won't even say the opposite of, you know, the negative part. I'll just keep it, like, real of, like, to care and nurture myself. Like, even if it's doing my nails, I will opt to do that. And we'll see how long that works, you know. Because I will call homegirl and be like, yo, I need some laser. I don't know how, like, people with trichotillomania, you know, because the lack of hair helps me. And I don't have a huge acne problem, you know. So there are certain things that you would never see. And you'd be like, what are you bothering? And I'm like, but it's right there. (laughs) This is the, you know. This is the white, this is the black, this is the rubber, this is the wax. You know, there's like 17 different things I could possibly pick on my face that I'm sure I've made up. (laughs) You know, like a Harry Potter story (laughs) on my face. But after this, I will make an asserted effort to care for myself and do something, which is cool. But I was going to say, I can't imagine uh, people that, you know, their hair is their hair and that, you know, you're not going to electrolysize your the hair on your head right do you know what i mean so but you never picked your hair on your head no okay i was never that just body puller. yeah i wasn't like strictly like i said i'm a combo of dermatillomania and trichotillomania but the follicles are an obsession wherever there are follicles or openings if you have a bump you know what i mean right like i had a guy friend who had acne on his back and I'd be like yo give me your back bro (laughs) come here I'll help you out yeah come here and then we're gonna get some tools oh I I gosh I here's a question okay because what that brought to mind for me was shows like Dr. Pimple Popper yes have you seen that show I have does that show relieve anxiety for you, or does it bring up more? Ah, that's the most disgusting foul thing <laughs> ever. <laughs> I, don't, I saw it like, maybe twice, and I was like, I never have to watch this show again. Like, so, so that does nothing for you, no. that show. Okay. No, I'm sure if I was an esthetician or something, you know what I mean? Like, if you're, once you're in a more intimate setting, and that you kind of know it's not as, like, the outside gross thing, it becomes this... Almost like a, you know, almost like a seeing a naked woman on the street. You're like, yo, mother. But if you're going to sketch and you see a a naked woman on the stage and you're drawing her, it kind of disconnects the sexual thing. So it probably disconnects the gross thing or the body like these are fluids. Right. Because now I'm like a doctor. Gotcha. Okay. So because the way you approach it for your body is a little bit more clinical when you see that. Sure. It's a little bit more. It's ew. There's a there's a there's a gross element. Right. But when I'm doing his back, for instance, or myself, I'm trying to get this thing out and it's very medical and clinical, you know. I've got a, the bulb. Oh, that was a bad hair. There was nothing at the end, you know. <laughs> so then you start searching for the hairs that have a, the wax because that's a live hair. The hair that has the wax. Well, when you have the bulb or whatever, the bulbous, it's a live hair, right? So dead hairs that aren't growing anymore that would just naturally fall out. If you tweezer them, there's nothing at the end. You learn different hairs. I should look them up, but I don't want to become that... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to become that good with picking. But you start to notice that different hairs have different things. And I think with electrolysis, whenever she would get one that was alive, which is the one you want to zap, because the follicle is doing its thing, right? It's active. There would be a bulb or the wax at the end. So it's the same thing of like tweezing. It's like, ooh, you pull out a whole bulb with it. It's like, yeah. Oh. 
and then you if you pull out a flat one it's like (laughs) so like anything i mean i'm sure he gets off on that show but that's almost overwhelming and plus he has like huge huge pussy like mounds and mounds of ooze and goos coming out of stuff like you've seen that show too yeah i i mean i i thought you know i didn't watch it for the longest time because i saw like you know little clips of it and i was like oh this is so gross but i have to admit i've gone through the rep gone down the rabbit hole watching it like watch like five six episodes in a row because it's it's so fascinating and i think the thing about that show that's most fascinating to me is that a lot of these people have lived like this for years oh with these things yeah Yeah. and and to me it's it just i don't know it just it's so fascinating because i'm like wait a minute it started growing on your neck like five years ago and now it looks like an orange on your shoulder and you just given up like <laughs> just decided well i'm just gonna have this orange on my shoulder you know growing out of my shoulder or, you know neck or whatever it is i think that to me has been the most fascinating thing about it right there was one where this woman she had like a growth in her head Ooh, ah. and it was just the way she was talking about it, she was like yeah it just kind of popped up one day and then it was like also a, like a smaller one in her head and she was like and it had been like 20 years oh it'd been 20 years and i it made me feel sad because i and i think that's also the turn of the show it's like these people they've just gotten used to it yeah and then it's gone and they're like it's almost this weird thing like oh they've grown up with it like it's a part of them right so it's a sense of loss but also like oh i got a new lease on life like just those mixed emotions of it is just so I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's interesting. I just, I think I just couldn't imagine myself, you know, I guess you can never say never, but I don't think I could imagine myself Why? having something like that and then just, I don't think I would ever give up, is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I wouldn't just five years after a growth started be, you know, just say, oh, well, that's that, I guess. I'm I don't just, think you'd make it to the five year mark. I think you'd kind of be like yo after a few months <laughs> let alone five years <laughs> what is this thing oh. right i mean girl when we were in the park and you're like what's that on your back kira <laughs> honey she gets her husband to like <laughs> check me out on the back like what is that is that healthy i'm like all paranoid <laughs> Shit, damn, there's a lump on your back i'm sorry i totally freaked you out oh totally. you're like what is this take a picture god <laughs> And now I've got this mole, but one friend is just calling it a tag. My other friend couldn't stop staring at it, so I got to go to the doctor. I'm sure it's a tag. I hope so. I'm sure it is. Yeah, no, I am too. Okay, so I I want to... You want a happy ending? No, no, no. What I I would like is there's a story (laughs) that you told me. Oh, God. Really, girl? I know. (sighs) I think... Motherfucker. (laughs) <laughs> you're like motherfucker um no i i mean if you don't want to tell it you don't have to tell it no i will because you want me to <laughs> i just even uh, though i was going to use this in something but i didn't wind up doing that anyway so um look you can still use it it's your it's your story it's true but i think you know we 
we don't think about the repercussions of having certain conditions and how much it affects your life. And I think you telling me that story just really hit home. Like, and, and again, I'm going to go back to acne because that's really like what I can relate it to. Right. But, you know, for years, and I, and I still, you know, deal with it every so often. But like I, there was a point for me, I did three rounds of Accutane in like 15 years. But there was a time for me where, you know, again, like I had a guy I was dating in college and he told me that I shouldn't work at a fast food place because you know, it was greasy and it would make it would make my skin break out more. You know, uh-huh. I, I one of my uh, first... Was his name Ricky? Uh, no, his name was Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, he wasn't a Rick. He was Ricky-ish, but uh. he wasn't a Ricky. And then, you know, I remember one of the first big auditions I went out for when I got an agent out of college. Uh, the casting director called my agent and was like, yeah, like, you got to talk to your client. Like, she... Her skin looks horrible. Oh. She has really bad. So I tried. I tried everything for years. I try. I, you you name it. I have. I had tried it as a young adult to get rid of it. I was desperate. I was desperate. 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 And so you know, there were times where I went through bouts where a lot of things became you know because it's your face. So a lot of things kind of you use to, you use a lot of things to cover it up, like. For a while, it was lots of makeup, you know, other times when I had extensions, it was for me to like take my extensions out and go natural. It was a big thing for me because it exposed my face. And for a couple of years, like my long extensions were like they drew attention away from my acne because as long as I had the long hair and I could put on a lot of makeup, then you couldn't really tell. Like I could just, you know, I would go to photo shoots and, and on like a couple times the makeup people would be like, I didn't know your skin was that bad. You do your makeup really well. And it was kind of Ooh, like, uh, yeah, and it was like, a, oh, oh, my God. Uh, uh, that's not really a compliment, but okay. You know, your because, skin's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I worked at it. I worked at it. But, you know, so I know how, you know, having to, dating a guy and like not wanting to them to see mm. how you look. So well, I, I see how you're segueing. So, you know, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You see where I'm going? <laughs> so I see how that can kind of really affect you and affect not only um, your self-esteem, but also your sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, in also in regards to your self-esteem, your, you know, just how you move in the world, your physicality, your relationship to your body. And so that's kind of why when you said, when you told me this story the first time, it just... I still, we, we, at the end of it, we both started crying. Yeah, I was crying. That was your fault. I, I know. <laughs> and, and now I'm going to make you tell it again because that's what good friends do. But I, it just really hit home for me, like for that type of condition, like what the, the lengths you went to. So, and I just want to say these two things before I tell the story. Ren- Renee Zellweger. I'm sorry. I thought you were going to say Fuck you. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was going to be like, okay, I'll take that. Right. Sit on a nail and grind. <laughs> um, Renee Zellweger, a makeup artist, told me that she used to pick her skin so much that they had to put off shooting for a couple of days. I don't know that this to be tr- if this is true. I don't even remember if I looked it up, but I'd be interested to know if she has this condition. Mm. 
dermatillomania. And then maybe for your the next one, you can tell people. I don't know how this works. And then um, makeup and stuff. It's funny, the Band-Aids, right? I always had Band-Aids. But I used to also, I would put cream on the spots because I'd rather people see white spots than me, the damage, right? And I remember going to Bossa Nova with friends and I had all of these white dots all over my face because I had put like Neosporin or whatever it was. And they were like, oh, my God, you're so cool. You go out however you want. And I was like, <laughs> if only you knew I was hiding. Right. Like, I'm glad you see me as this confident. <laughs> I'm going out with white dots on my face. What part of that is confident? But okay. Woo, I'm so cool. Anyway, um, so I had met this guy. I was asked to go to a show that I didn't even want to go to for my birthday. They had got me tickets and I was like, I don't even know who these people are. You're my neighbor. I want to go anywhere with you on my birthday. But I went up meeting this fella. Really, 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 really sweet guy. And I was so attracted to him and vice versa. But he was just good people. But at that time in my life, my boobs were full blown scarred I mean like blood I had been picking so much like my belly my tits my everything back of my legs it was all pretty atrocious and in order to not have sex with him I had told him that I was celibate for a year I was like yeah I'm celibate for a year uh, and we fooled around a little and I had played a little with him and I just even you know it's funny because you know you hear these stories of I'm pretty cool with all the men I've dated in my life. They're pretty copacetic. I'm not far from perfect. But um, there's no guessing games or anything like that. And we had fooled around in a kind of way. But I would never let him do anything to me because I didn't want him. But I had played with his little doo-doo. And he had called... You know, I'm sorry, I'm just laughing at the fact that he... <laughs> that I can't. All of a sudden, you're like being very <laughs> kitty. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this little do do. We little. We can, we can. It wasn't it's little. Like, I shouldn't well, say yes, that. Well, yes, let's not say little. Yeah. Let's not insult the guy. <laughs> but you know, it was just that kind of thing where you know whatever it was, what it was, and I'm going about yeah. my day. And he was a very independent person. He was in the business on the agency side, and um, I just remember him calling me, and he was like, "I just, I just had such a good time with you last night. I'm sure you did." Um, but he was just such a gentleman. Like there was no, he doesn't call. He doesn't. He was just always there. We always talked anyway. But he was just, I enjoyed my time with you, and it was different because we'd gone to a different level, and we had. I mean, I'm I'm not really I'm pretty conservative until I'm not. So even that in my celibacy, in my fake celibacy, but even that it was like we'd been hanging out for like a while. You know, I don't have rules, but it's just naturally like, I don't know, you don't touch me. Um so he was just always great and he was we spent just good quality time together and just a good guy. Like the kind of guy that you're like, hmm. Like I was knew his family he brought me home fairly quickly and it's not fairly quickly but like I just knew his family and stuff and you guys connected you guys connected very completely and utterly good guy a keeper we were both keepers for one another for sure (sighs) well the year we'd been hanging out for a year at this point and 
and um, years up that celibacy. I know. Up. I can't believe you. I'm going to get emotional about this. So the year had come up, and um, I was pretty terrified that I would have to reveal my damaged body. But I was still, you know, I was ready, and I prepared myself. You know what I mean? And um, so you'd mentally gotten yourself in the place where, you're oh like, yeah, all right, right, this is the it. year's up. It's happening. We're doing it. And we have to, because I wanted him so badly. Like, this wasn't like, <laughs> this is like, it's so time for both of us yeah. to just be intimate in that way. Like, come on. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. Yeah, I was madly in- attracted to him. And, um, and so I, that night, I was like, this is it. This is our year. Our year is up. And he's like, I know. I'm not going to sleep with you. And I was like, what? He's like, Kira, I'm, he was going on a business trip. And he's like, I'm leaving at like four in the morning. He's like, I don't want to have, I don't want to sleep with you and be with you. And then I have to take off. Like, I want us to spend time together and cuddle and all this stuff. And I was Aww. like, oh, I know he's so sweet. I was like, cool. So relieved, right? <laughs> but yeah. So he takes off and goes on his business trip, and I (laughs) packed all of my stuff out of his apartment and never looked back. I just disappeared. I was so afraid. And, I mean, it's funny that, like, he gave me that out. But it's... I literally walked away from a really great person because I was so... Because of this issue, you know? Um, and I have no regrets in my life, you know what I mean? Like, shit happens, but like, and he was always so confused as to what happened to me. And did you ever tell him? Not until years and years later, when he had already gotten married. And I kind of, I can't remember how we'd connected again. Did I tell him that it wasn't him? You know, I had destroyed my body and I was really embarrassed about it, but yeah. And even after that, um, you know, I have a whole other story with getting custody with these two girls. But even a couple of years after that whole incident, and we kind of reconnected, but I had these girls in my life. So there was really no time for dating. But he had called me and he's like, listen, I'm going on this trip and I want you to come with me. This is like a couple of years later, you know what I mean? And I was like, "Uh, yeah, no, can't. I can't. And it wasn't because of him. It was because I was still dealing with you. Right. Yeah. And I was not ready to tell anybody. So, you know, God bless him for being the guy that was so into me that even years later that I I was still in his mind. But, yeah, it had nothing to do with the two of us as two people, how we connected. It had everything to do with my issue and being embarrassed and ashamed. And and it's funny because he's the kind of guy that I'm sure would have been like, what? I don't, you know, I care about you. I love you or whatever, you know. Anyway. Yeah. Gosh. Who walked away from love? <laughs> you walked away, girl. You like you you packed your bags. I and sure you did. Never look that that to me every time I hear that story, it just it just mind blowing. Yeah. You just So wait a minute, how long was the time from you left and then he contacted you years later about that trip? I think I mean we had talked I kind of just ghosted him what you say now you didn't you know um 
mean, I still talked to him, but I, I just made myself very unavailable and I just didn't see him again. And I just kind of let us move on. And then I think it was a couple of years after that that he had contacted me about the trip. I mean, we had talked on and off a little bit, but I really did keep, I, like, I just, like, he you gave me that out. Way. And I was like, there's no way I'm, I can't talk myself into sleeping with him again. Like, it had taken me so much to, like, okay, I'm going to do this. This is our year. And for all the right reasons, he was like, no, not tonight. No, when I'm here, when we can be together. Well, that's so interesting because, I mean, I, no, I totally get the part of it where you had, you know, you had a year and you had talked yourself up into this moment. And so the thought of like having to talk yourself into another moment is scary. At the time, how much you were really into him, that didn't, it just goes to show that how terrified you were. Oh. I mean, because it sounds like, like you said, like he seems like the kind of guy that would have been like, it's okay. Oh, totally. You said that, but in your mind, you were so terrified of expose, exposing yourself, exposing who you really were, that you were just willing to just walk out. Mm -hmm. So I think hearing that, where are you now with that, with exposing yourself? Because I know with your body, you're not in the same place. Like you're not in that place where you were with him, where it was just so, it was so there, like all the scars were there. Like now the scars have healed, but you still have these conditions. Right, and I still have like, you know, I can't, if I could pull up my stuff, I mean, I showed you my, but I still have current things now. I, I you know, I think I've lived with it so long, even my scars, that they just really are a part of me. And the condition is too. And um, I'm not embarrassed or ashamed that I have the condition. And so it's not something that I'd want to be like, hey, check this out. But it, it is who I am. Yeah, and you're not going to leave. Take me, take me for who I am or don't, you know. And I don't think there are very many men in my life that I've had relationships with who wouldn't have. Or I shouldn't say. I don't think there are any men that would have walked away from me for that. Um but it's just learning to love myself despite having mutilated because it is self-mutilation you know would you consider going back to some sort of therapy to perhaps get to or closer to the root of the anxiety uh yeah I don't know that it would be behavior therapy I mean I'm, I'm an avid therapy person anyway and I actually try to get into therapy again with Kaiser Permanente, who will only see me once every six weeks. Well, so Kaiser sucks. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> yeah, no. Um, and I'm actually, I'm going to call them because I, you know, mental health is so important, even if you're not dealing with something like uh, OCD, but uh, in any capacity, just dealing, especially in the environment today, but like dealing with how to deal with other people or dealing with how to deal with yourself or, you know, like... Uh, the fact that we don't have access unless you're paying an arm and a leg oh, yeah. to somebody to go every week, um, that I have insurance and still can't get. Still can't afford it or get. Or get help. it. You yeah. know, like I can't. Or maybe I have to be on suicide watch. And, and, and anybody would have that right, you know, to be seen on a regular daily basis mm -hmm. if they're going to harm themselves or others in a 
to, you know, like finishing off way. But um, I guess because I deal with mild, that's what they she told me. I was mildly anxious and mildly depressed. And so I guess I fit into the once every six weeks category. But no, of course I'd be open to doing therapy. Have you ever tried hypnotherapy? Um, I've, no, not for picking. I've been hypnotized, but that was for... <laughs> what was that for? Uh, that was a show. Oh, it was yeah. on a TV show? Yeah, they actually, yeah. They had two hypnotists go, like, that. we had to be hypnotized. What did they make you do? Um, and they both chose me. <laughs> you know what's funny is that I didn't, you know what, what you see on TV where the hypnotist is hypnotizing one person, but the other person goes out? Mm. I was that other person that fell out. So you're easily... <laughs> You're susceptible. Yes. Yeah, you're like really susceptible. For sure. Okay. So, you know, that's something to, to that's think something about. to consider. I it know is. a friend of mine, <clears throat> I can connect you after this. And okay. I will leave her info in the show comments. But um, I have a friend, Bianca, and uh, she's an actress uh, turned hypnotherapist. She still acts. Oh, she's a hypnotherapist. Mm -hmm. Hypnotist or, or hypnotist. hypnotherapist. Yeah. But she, she, sh her and her fiance, they went to get hypnotherapy because she, they were both smokers. Um, and it completely cured their smoking. And she just got so many good, I guess, uh, things out of it. She was like, I want to be able to help other people. So she went to school for it. Um, so now that's what she does oh, on the side. That's amazing. Um, and she deals a lot with like anxiety and stuff like that. Um, so that's why I asked if you had ever tried that. But that's no, interesting you know, that I'd you are to. susceptible to it because it might be something. I don't know if it would completely cure it. But it might lessen it. Well, this is what I'll say that I learned about hip, being hypnotized was that the one I can't I remember both of them, but the one kind of to get us there, we had to do a picture. It was a group. There was a group of us. Um, and he was for the person he was he, they had to get a picture of something. And I, I happened to have this photo of my mother. I'm, a kid, I'm like probably a two, two and a half. And my mom's in she's in. You don't say Indian cross. What do you say nowadays? Oh, um, cross-legged. Cross-legged. Yoga, yes. whatever. Yes. And I'm sitting in her lap, and I'm looking up at her with such love. You know what I mean? Like I just love. And so I had focused on this. But the thing that I learned about hypnosis is it really, if you're susceptible, and I don't know if I would be resistant, just because I'm aware of what's happening. But hypnosis for me is that he that particular hypnotist put it outside of us so it was kind of because i hadn't put on deodorant that day right and i was very aware of not raising my arms near the people i was with <laughs> but once i was hypnotized it was kind of not me anymore i had given i had given my freedom you know like i wasn't responsible for my own stuff and i had kind of given my will over to him to allow me to like not care if that gotcha. makes sense okay but um what was i going to say it would be interesting to see if because if your will wants to take back over it can and that might be a bad thing for me to say before i even try but i'd be interested to talk to her about that because okay. you know and then and, and that was another thing like people that were quote unquote hypnotized afterwards they're like I don't remember anything oh my god and I was like that's bullshit because I remembered everything that was happening it just didn't matter
Like that's like saying you could hypnotize me and I'd go, you know, run somebody the, over with a car. In that particular instance, in that particular instance, what did he have you do? Like once you were hypnotized? Oh, we was just like, because it was like for a, a television thing. So it was like, be Macy Gray. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> So you started singing yeah, like Macy Gray. Like, oh, I've totally morphed. You, is fact, there a video of this? Oh, totally. They gave me, they thought that I was, the the producers and stuff, I have, uh, I have it on video because they thought I was on drugs because I was so like, because, and I, also my jaw was uh, clenching or something. Mm. So they were like, oh, she's on drugs because I did like, um, woo, woo, Rolling Stones, what's his name? Oh, uh, Mick Jagger? Mick Jagger. Yeah, I was just all out. Like, I was doing the moves and, you know. But they were like, is she on drugs? I was like, no, I was hypnot- I, My will was given to somebody else. So, yeah, so I'd like just, to talk to her about that. Uh, yeah. To release all your inhibitions. Exactly. Oh. But you don't forget. Like, yeah. you don't go into some, like, dark hole. And then you come out and you're like, what did I do? Like, that's BS. I think. Yeah. Because I was listening to them and I was like... I'm very much aware that I, because I, it was such a peaceful place to be, and that's why I would like to get hypnotized again. Well, I started crying. Yeah, I was, at one point, I remember I was on the floor, and I'm knowing what's happening, but I was so relieved not to care. It was like the inhibitions, like I wasn't embarrassed, I wasn't anything. If if you could use that going into auditions, you know what I mean? You were just um, your purest self. Mm-hmm. And I was, it was such a relief in that moment that I started crying. That was before Mick Jagger and Macy Gray came into play. <laughs> that was while I was still on the floor. So I would love to talk to her. I just had to throw on that hypnotist stuff <laughs> so we could not talk about picking. And but still. now you're ready to live your best life. Oh, yeah, for sure, girl. And you're part of it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. <sighs> Well, you know what? I I honestly can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming here and bearing your soul because I know this is this is, you know, a lot to share with a lot of unknown people and an unknown amount of people. So Yeah, I was gonna say hopefully not that many, but because it's you I want everybody to <laughs> listen to your show. So I hope hundreds of hundreds and, and thousands. thousands of people hear this. But don't remember my name. <laughs> Kira Grove. Hey. <laughs> no, I'm, in, in all seriousness, is if, and I always ask a version of this question to everybody. So if there was somebody and you suspected that they had this, what words of comfort, what would be your advice to them? What would you say to them to make them feel a little less alone? Uh, don't be alone reach out you know I mean as much as technology sucks us in technology and googling like reach out to other people who have this issue because you will find them you know even if it's having somebody who will email you to keep you in check because I did that for a while accountability and they may drop off, but somebody else will take their place. As long as you show up for yourself, other people will show up for themselves, which will in turn allow you guys to show up, show up for each other. Does that make sense? Yeah. Amen. Because community is important. And I think that's in anything, but particularly with something like this. Um, and when you hurt, that other person understands your hurt. 
And when you have accomplishments and you're happy because you haven't done it, I'm going to cry again because you haven't, you know, destroyed yourself for even three days sometimes. Then you can share that with somebody. That's a success. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so that's what I would say is don't don't choose to be alone. Just reach out because you're not alone. You know, like every time we take a step forward, it's a step towards bettering ourselves. And that doesn't mean we're perfect. And who the hell wants to be? I wouldn't want to be, you know, but um, yeah. Love yourself. Love yourself. Love yourself. <sighs> OK, to continue the high note for this, I'm going to throw out. Uh, some questions <laughs> and you just answer them okay um, just random questions for the listeners to get to know a little more about you okay um, <laughs> favorite book can I say two yeah there's a book called Stiff by Mary Roach that I really really love and Confederacy of Dunces and there's another one I can't remember there's three Oh shit! There's top four. Three. Okay, top top four. Books. Okay, 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 okay. Okay. Um, One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Oh, okay. Stiff by Mary Roach, which is about cadavers. Donate, even though I don't. Confederacy of Dunces, and the something wood Bibles. Shit, but it's a fascinating book. I wish I could give you the title. It might come to me by the end of this, but it's we'll put it in the show notes if you remember. Yeah, please. Oh, I will because I have it at home. But it's it's told from the aspect of like several different um, characters. Your earliest memory: a squirrel that my grandfather. I was in the crib. My mom tells me that my grandfather was trying to they that was in the closet. And they were trying to get the squirrel so that it wouldn't bite the baby. <laughs> and there was no fear in that. I just remember that. My mom was like, what? You remember that? You weren't even talking. <laughs> <laughs> What's um, one thing you've always wanted to learn? <laughs> How to perform surgery on people. <laughs> Well, I guess that would tie in with what we're talking about. How to perform (laughs) surgery on people. Oh, my God. If I could have been a heart surgeon, I mean, that's not something that you can just learn overnight. But, like, I'm pretty sure I would have been dope. (laughs) (laughs) Childhood crush. Uh, This is a guy named Ricardo. There was no star. It was Ricardo Johnson. (laughs) Does Ricardo, it's the same person as Ricky? No. Well, Ricky was, wait, was Ricky gay? I think Ricky was gay. I don't think he ever came out as gay. Should I say that? Well, I didn't say his last name, so it doesn't matter. Um, No, Ricardo was just. (sighs) You have like stars in your eyes. Ricardo Ricardo was dreamy, y'all. He totally was. He was like, he looked like, he had like, his mother was Indian, Native American, dark, dark skin. And he was pretty dark. His father was black, African-American. But um, he had those almond eyes, like those little smiley, like, I don't know. He was just so fine. Just a chocolate. That's just a piece of chocolate love. I was five. (laughs) (laughs) And last question. Um, Your favorite quote? Okay. (laughs) 
Oh, there's so many, but I'm going to give you the one that comes to mind first only because it has stuck with me since I was a kid and I ate Bazooka Joe bubblegum. You know how they all have the fortunes on Bazooka oh, Joe? Yeah. There's one that has stayed with me always. And it was, if you don't have anything nice to say, you're not thinking hard enough. I like that. Right? Bazooka Joe, you go. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you don't have anything nice to say, you're not thinking hard enough. That's awesome. Yeah, that was a good one for kids to get, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, it is. It stuck with me, for sure, as an adult. Oh, well, thank you, Kira. Thank you. For coming today on my show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks <sighs> for doing a show. <sighs> You know, I try. I, I do what I can. I do what I can. <laughs> okay, so I know you don't want anybody to remember your last name, but if <laughs> they do and they want to add you on social media, do you want to tell them where they can find you? Days of whatever. On Instagram? Yeah, maybe you'll be my 181st person. <laughs> <laughs> she keeps her connection small on Instagram, but, you know, you guys know where to find her. Days of whatever. I put up some fairly interesting uh, oh things. believe me her stuff is interesting she's an artist so it's it's you never know what you're gonna get each day she's also an illustrator and hopefully we'll see more of that in the future maybe a little bit of you maybe a little bit of me <laughs> um all right Kira. well thank you so much thank for joining you. me today yeah thank you it's been fun it's good to be here so what did you guys think you know what? It was really news to me that um, I don't know why I didn't even when we when I knew I was going to interview Kira. I don't know why it didn't even occur to me until I read that definition that dermatillomania is not only a mental illness, but also related to OCD. I mean, it all makes perfect sense. It all makes sense that it, you know, it deals with some anxiety in your life, a deeper issue. But yeah. I it didn't really even hit me until I actually read that definition out loud on the podcast. So there's still so much to learn about that and also to learn about how if you have it, if you think you have it, uh, what steps you can take to really, you know, find some peace with it and find some tools that will help you really manage it. It is I feel like a lot of mental issues, it is a lifelong battle. Uh, it's not something you're going to just one day get cured with. It is something you have to deal with every day. And just really uh, the analogy that she made when she was talking about going into the ring, it all makes perfect sense. Once you get to a certain point, you know, you've lost. And I think the stories that she told, especially the story about her dating the guy, that's why for me, it hit me so hard because when you have built up so much anxiety in yourself um, and into a moment and put so much energy into that, and then you feel like you have to do it again and again and again because it's something that's going to keep coming up. You know, every day is a battle. So... I think we have to really be gracious to the people in our life that are dealing with those things. If they're dealing with depression or anxiety or OCD or this dermatillomania, trichotillomania, if they're dealing, if, if they are 
a drug addict, yes, there are things that you can do in terms of tough love and not blame yourself and put things on yourself. But also, you know, I think there is a level of grace that you can give to someone else and know that that is the battle that they are dealing with. It is not a one day thing. It is not a one week thing. It is not a month thing. There is no simple cure. It is a lifetime battle. So thank you, Kira, for really sharing your story with us, with me, with an unknown amount of people out there. If you want to learn more about Kira, you can go to her Instagram at Days of Whatever. Keep in mind right now, it is inactive because she is not on social media. But when she is back on, feel free to follow her and see all her beautiful illustrations and her quirkiness. And hey, are you new to the podcast? Have you subscribed yet? Head on over to our iTunes. Tell us what you think. Did you love us? What do you want more of? Who do you want to see as a guest? Is there any particular subject? Let me know. I'm listening. Go ahead and click that five stars because you know you love us at this point if you've been listening. Um, So hit us with that five star review and go ahead and click subscribe. Also feel free to follow us on the social medias on Twitter at that one blank FR one on Instagram at that one blank friend. And if you have any particular gems that you have derived from our episodes, feel free to comment on Instagram stories. You can tag me, tag the Instagram, tag me personally at Saudi Rashid. Let me know what you are thinking. And with all this going on in the world, it is important for us to stay active in our activism in any way you can, but also protect your joy because that is the fuel that you are going to need in the future to keep going. So I leave you with that. Until next time, talk soon.